Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Thursday. We are less than 24 hours away from the finale of Marvel Studios' WandaVision. A lot of theories, a lot of expectations. How is this all going to end? All that will be delivered and more in less than 24 hours. I'm sure a lot of you are starting to do your WandaVision marathons. Finish up all the eight episodes before, whether you live on the East Coast, it's 3 a.m., which... Props to you if you stay up till 3 a.m. watching it or if it's on the Pacific Coast and you're staying up till 12 at midnight watching the finale of WandaVision or if you wait till the morning to watch it, I'm sure everyone's brushing up and getting ready to go on the finale. So I'm going to definitely be talking about WandaVision a little bit in the podcast. I'm also going to be talking about my weekend preview of some films that are be coming out this weekend, both in theaters and also on streaming services and VOD that you can check out if you finish up WandaVision or look looking for something else to watch over the weekend that's not a part of the MCU. So definitely going to be talking about that as well and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to discuss is a trending trailer that came out yesterday and it was a part of my show yesterday, but I completely forgot about it and I wanted to talk about it first on the top today on the Sam Bissell podcast. And that is, of course, the the Without Remorse trailer starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Bell, Jody Turner-Smith, and Guy Pierce. And it's based off of the Tom Clancy novel Without Remorse, which is set within the Jack Ryan universe. Not that this film is set within the Jack Ryan universe, but Without Remorse, the book stars the the character John Clark, who associates himself with Jack Ryan in that book's atmosphere. And a lot of John, John Grissom novels kind of are associated with a lot of political thr- thrillers, espionage, and that is exactly what Without Remorse deals with in this movie, this adaptation. And just to kind of give a little bit of the plot of Without Remorse, it is the origin story of John Kelly, who turns out into the alias of John Clark, who is this U.S. Navy SEAL who uncovers an international conspiracy while seeking justice for the murder of his pregnant wife by Russian soldiers. When Kelly joins forces with fellow Navy SEAL Karen Greer and shadowy CIA officer Robert Ritter, the mission unwittingly exposes a covert plot that threatens to engulf the U.S. and Russia in an all-out war. And Without Remorse was supposed to be a film set to take place and turn out in theaters that was produced and distributed by Paramount+. Plus. But because, again, of the pandemic, COVID-19, like what Paramount has done with a lot of their films that were slated for last year and some part of this year, they decided to make a quick buck, turn a profit, not worry about the box office or delay a lot of their films, and decided to sell them to streaming services. Notably, they sold The Lovebirds, which was one of the first ones to be sold to a streaming service, specifically Netflix. They did it again with what would have been their major Oscar contender with The Trial of Chicago 7. They sold that to Netflix as well. And they did the same thing with Coming to America, which I'll talk about a little later on as well. And of course, with Without Remorse with Michael B. Jordan. And I was very much looking forward to this film. I've said it on this podcast numerous times. I'm a big fan of spy thrillers, espionage, like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, or 
All the President's Men or, of course, the Jason Bourne Mission Impossible films. And so I was really looking forward to this film, and I very much liked what I saw for a, a, a first trailer, which was two and a half minutes. It was basically a full-length trailer giving you the basic story, which I laid out in the synopsis, and also showcasing some of the amazing action. I really do have to say the hand-to-hand combat, the action sequences with, with the with the gun violence in terms of the, the gun action sequences with the military, but also the hand-to-hand combat that Michael B. Jordan shows off in this trailer looks awesome, looks incredible, and I can't wait to see what else this film delivers. It started by Stefano Solomia, so to kind of see his take on this genre is going to be really kind of cool to see, and I'm a big fan of Michael B. Jordan, who is really turning out to be a major star in Hollywood. He's already somebody who's well-known, really already has cemented himself as an A-lister. The only thing he really needs now is his own major franchise, which he kind of has with the the Creed franchise, but it's not this multi-million dollar franchise that studios would want to turn out and create into a big major franchise that has a lot of action. The Creed franchise has reinvigorated the Rocky franchise, and you see Michael B. Jordan put on his producer hat with other films. He's putting on his director's hat, it looks like, with Creed 3. So he definitely has that with his own franchise. He appeared in the MCU at least only for one film with Black Panther playing the main villain Killmonger, which he did a fantastic job in. But it seems like this uh, this film without remorse, which I've heard, is hoping to start a franchise with Amazon. Michael B. Jordan's exclusive deal with his production company is now set up at Amazon. So I think he's looking to establish his home roots there and hopes that this film can start a franchise with this character, John Clark. But what also interests me, and I said this way back as well, is that now that this is set up with Amazon, and again, with this John Grissom novel, and with John Grissom, the author, he's created all these different all these different espionage characters like a like a Jack Ryan or a Jack Reacher, but he's also done Jack Ryan as well. And Amazon has re- revitalized the Jack Ryan franchise with John Krasinski. So maybe we get this connected universe with John Clark if it does well on Amazon and also with maybe Krasinski's Jack Ryan whenever we do get a third season and maybe more down the line. So maybe this is the start of Amazon on creating their own little spy universe that makes sense because of the novels and the connectivity that they have within that universe as well. So that's something that maybe could happen down the line. And having Krasinski and Michael B. Jordan in the same movie potentially, I mean, what's not to love about that, first of all? So that would be something that's really cool. That's not confirmed. That's just really me creating my own fan theories. But again, that would be something that's really cool. But regardless, though, I think just this film alone with the trailer, the action, the very serious notes that it's taking, this kind of being a revenge thriller in in the vein of an espionage as well, an espionage thriller. I'm very excited about it. Again, I wish I could see this in theaters like a lot of other films, but I can understand what Paramount was thinking in a business sense. This does look so- like something that I would enjoy on the big screen, but seeing it on, on Amazon, I think it's going to be, again, accessible for a lot of other people. And I think if it gets good reviews, good buzz, I could definitely be willing to show this to my family recommending it to other people just just based on this trailer so hopefully i can say the same thing after watching it to recommend it to a lot of people seeing the film as a whole so a great first impression
impression, a great first start for Without Remorse. I think it got a lot of people excited, and whether it's a teaser trailer or a first feature full trailer, the one thing you really want to do is is give a first good first impression and excite people that maybe weren't excited about this film or didn't really know about this film and build off of that initial buzz and I think for this trailer that is exactly what they were able to do and hopefully with the remainder of their marketing campaign for probably the next month month and a half they're able to build off that and really sustain a great marketing campaign that expands and extends and reaches out to a lot of people to check this out because again you're not telling people to go to the theaters and if they don't feel safe and comfortable going to a theater to see this film they can see it at home in the safety of their walls and not have to venture outside to see this film they can see it at home so i think that there's a lot to look forward to and a lot of promise that comes with without remorse both in the film and when it comes to its accessibility on amazon prime which is set to come out on april 30th without remorse again starring michael b jordan who looks tremendous in this and i can't wait to see what else he's able to do with this role what did you guys think about the without remorse trailer let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. Now, I want to move on, of course, for what I tease at the start of this podcast, and that is the countdown for the WandaVision finale. And there's a lot of details that have come out this week in regards to the buildup to the finale, which I find very interesting that Marvel and Disney's PR team have decided to have Paul Bettany and the director, Matt Shackman, come out a week before the the finale to talk to journalists and press about the episodes that have come before while there's still an episode to remain. So that is interesting to me in the fact that I would have definitely, if I was the Disney PR team, had the director, the stars come out after the finale to talk about everything that has come since really episode four and five, where we had the initial press junkets to talk about the first three episodes of WandaVision. But regardless, there's a lot of hype, anticipation, waiting for this finale and it really has I think WandaVision has really done a lot when it comes to streaming and television content and and looking forward to something in the midst of a pandemic right now that we haven't been able to get for a long long time and I think it just goes to show that again we all love our Netflix we all love binging but the actual buzz and the hype that a weekly release of a well-regarded television show can do I think we're seeing that happen. It was done with Mandalorian, and I think we're starting to see it now again with WandaVision in terms of building up so many different theories and so many different scenarios of how this show could play out. And I think for a lot of people, there have been some theories that have panned out, like the the Agatha theory has panned out. I think the theory of, for some people, that maybe Pietro is somebody that we think he is or somebody isn't has turned out to be true for some, not true for others. The fact that maybe Vision is dead or alive, or is he really there, is he not there? Some people's theories of that have panned out and have not panned out. So there's a lot of theories and speculation that have come with this show, obviously. And I think for the people over at Disney and Marvel, maybe they didn't expect for this to actually happen. So I I think for the director to now come out and talk and have this press, I think it's great to at least, even though again, I would have had him come out after the finale to talk about everything and spill the guts and not have an episode left to kind of reserve himself, but to kind of hear his thoughts on all the response since his introduction and his initial press junket before the show 
show came out. I think it's encouraging to see that that he can see the response and know the response for from the audience. But there's one thing that he said specifically when talking to Entertainment Weekly that I think stuck out on me, and I think it stuck out on a lot of people. And it goes back to what I was what I was just talking about in terms of the the fan theories, in terms of the the speculation regarding this television show and some of the fan ideas that could come about and could not come about and hampering some of those expectations. And this is what he had to say when talking about that maybe, just maybe, with the finale and some of the theories that are percolating from fans, that some people might leave a little disappointed. And this is what he had to say to Entertainment Weekly. I hope they feel like the journey was satisfying for them. I know there are so many theories out there. There will be a lot of people who will no doubt be disappointed by one theory or another, but we're always telling the story about Wanda dealing with grief and learning how to accept that loss and hopefully people will find that the finale is surprising but also satisfying and that it feels inevitable because it's the the same story that we've been watching the whole time and i think there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack in that comment and and, and i think what matt shackman is saying is is correct in, in the fact that look there again, like I said before, there are some theories that have worked out. There are some theories that have not worked out, and for some fans, that's disappointing. And for some others, it's they're happy that they got right what's happened. But I think for Matt Shackman, what he's basically really trying to say is that look, we've been telling this story from day one, and we hope that it's satisfying for people in the vein that the main crux of the story that people are hooked on is what we can satisfy them with no matter what and really what this show is about and Matt Shackman says it is about grief and loss and acceptance and that was a very much prevalent in the penultimate episode of WandaVision last week where we really dived into not just the the events that led up to WandaVision, but also the background of Wanda and how her whole life has really been a tragedy. Even after Age of Ultron, everything she experienced with her brother and Vision and her family, she's she's just been holding back this grief for so long. And it's about repressing those memories and creating new ones, even though they're fake, that lead to a happy life that you've been clamoring to have, but you haven't really been able to have that. And I think a lot of people are hoping for a Mephisto or a Nightmare or the X-Men to come into this. But I I think what Episode 8 really did was strip down this show to its very core. And I think we're going to see a continuation of that moving forward in the finale of WandaVision. I think we're really just going to get into meat and bones of what the the writers, Jack Schaefer and the writers room of WandaVision, really wanted to tell, along with Kevin Feige in, in this journey of WandaVision. And again, we could get some surprising cameos and some surprising reveals. I think we will. I think we're still we still are going to get a Stephen Strange cameo. I think in order to connect WandaVision with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I think again they're going to tell this one complete story, but also bridge into what the bigger picture is going to be, and that is of course the next step for Wanda at least is being in the Doctor Strange sequel. And Matt Shackman has even talked about saying that he has worked with Sam Raimi on how 
the, the evolution of Wanda's character can it starts with WandaVision and continues in in the multiverse of madness and that there's no bumps in the road and that they're keeping that consistency that we know the MCU to be. But when it comes to WandaVision, they're still, even though they're connecting to bigger things through other films and television shows, they still want to tell their own individual story. And that is, of course, the, the tragedy of the relationship, not just with Wanda and her history, but the tragedy of Wanda and Vision. And now there could be more speculation that maybe Vision gets out of this alive and, and with the white Vision, that's certainly possible. But we, we just don't know. And I, and I think... We can all have our fan theories, but we also have to realize that the artists are, are going to tell the story again that they want to tell. And, they, and what I think Marvel has done so well is they've been able to do things that other universes and studios have not been able to do. And I think it's really hurt them. And I always reference the... The, the Star Wars franchise, for example, especially the sequel trilogy, where I've liked some of the things that they've done, but they've really predicated on doing fan service over story. And I think that was very prevalent in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, where I've always said this, is that that was a, a movie that that was fan service that was the entire story, that it, was, that it was a fan service driving the story, not the story driving the fan service and having that service sprinkled throughout but Marvel has been able to do that so incredibly well, and we saw it reach its pinnacle with Avengers Endgame, where they were telling the story that was playing out, and at the same time, they were sprinkling sprinkling in these little fan tidbits and little fan things that we've been craving for, and some things we didn't really think that we were going to see or we were ever going to see or we ever really wanted, but they were able to deliver on that, and I think we should be able to trust what Marvel is going to be able to do and the fact of sticking the landing but also delivering great fan service quality that will have a lot of fans satisfied while also telling the story that they've been telling since January 15th. And I'm really excited to see how this is all going to end. And now, do I think that there are some things that... I wish would be answered or that maybe that I wish fan theory wise I would love to see absolutely but I'm gonna go in and see okay this is a story you've been telling me so far how are you going to wrap up this story because as fans we can we could want certain things and and we want to see certain things happen but at the same time if it doesn't happen will we be upset absolutely and we just and we can be upset that's fine that's an emotion We, we we can be upset about certain things don't go our way especially as fans but we shouldn't hound the artists for not going in that direction because we built up that hype. And I think we shouldn't take out our anger on Jack Schaefer or Matt Jackman, and we, we shouldn't take it out on the actors or actresses. I will say, though, that when it comes to some of these fan theories, especially on the actors, some of the blame does get put on them in some aspects, not all. And again, we shouldn't blame all of them for for these theories that we've laid out about ourselves, but they did plant some of the seeds. And Paul Bettany was one of those people that I, I think put out a seed that even he said that he probably wouldn't do given the hindsight of, of the the speculation and the fan buzz that it created after he said these quotes. And that is, of course, talking about this big cameo that was supposed to come out and that he was going to work with somebody that he's never worked with before, he's always wanted to work with, and he finally got the chance to do it in WandaVision and that of course ran the gauntlet of do we get are we going to get Ian McKellen are we going to get Patrick Stewart 
Are we going to get Tom Holland or or some other crazy theory that a lot of people had? And I was one of those people that was on trying to figure out who he who it could have been realistically. And it seems like after the end of episode eight, when we got the post credit scene with the white vision, that maybe Paul Bettany was trolling us a little bit. And that really the person that he acted alongside with and seems like towards the end of WandaVision was himself and that we're kind of going to get this this Logan scenario where Hugh Jackman fought a younger version of himself in Logan and that we could be getting that kind of result in the finale of WandaVision where Vision is fighting another version of himself in Westview and we're probably going to get that in the finale of WandaVision which I'm really excited about but that led to a lot of people thinking well maybe Paul Benny was joking with us a little bit not being malicious about it and trying to throw people off course but I think he was generally excited and thought I think a lot of people would be getting excited about it. But then when you again, when you get fan theories rolling around, you're not going to think, oh, well, he was talking about himself. They were going to get another version of Vision. So I think for Paul Bennett, he realized that and he addressed it this morning on Good Morning America for press for the finale of WandaVision. This is what he had to say when asked about the cameo. And he said, yeah, you know, when you think something's going to be funny and you say it, then you actually panic about it, which is what I did because fans started guessing it might be. And they were guessing people like Benedict Cumberbatch or Patrick Stewart. And I was thinking, God, that's a good idea. And they're going to be so disappointed when they find out it's me. And he went on to continue kind of trolling in a way that there could be another cameo appearance, which I still think there is going to be, a la being Doctor Strange in is in some time in the finale of WandaVision tomorrow. But I think, again, Paul Bettany being Paul Bettany, I think he... He put a little too much fuel to the fire, again, not intentionally realizing what he was doing, but I think that's just the fervor of the fan base that is going on with WandaVision at this current moment in time, and again, will some fans be disappointed? Yes, but I I don't think that it's going to reach the fever pitch of maybe something like The Last Jedi, where that subverted a lot of people's expectations of what was going to come after the cliffhangers that we got in Force Awakens. However, I think for some people, if some things maybe don't go their way after waiting a few episodes, there could be some some backlash. But again, I think with, with Marvel, they will somehow find ways to satisfy people in ways that they didn't realize. And and I've been saying it for so many weeks when reviewing these episodes, but one of the great things about WandaVision has been the, 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 excuse me, the writing for it, the the, the screenplays, the script writing, the writer's room have just done an incredible job of laying out this story while also being very meta when it comes to what they are trying to do with WandaVision and, and, and kind of being the fan in a sense when in just the last episode when Agatha talks about Wanda's accent or saying that we're going to be looking at reruns and kind of 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 being like a third person narration on Wanda's backstory that's kind of like being the audience member in a way or in episode six with Pietro there was a little bit of of a meta humor meta narr- story narration with between Pietro and and Wanda and Evan Peters's character so 
the way that the screenwriters have been able to work on this and put themselves in the audience's shoes, I think has been so smart and so different than anything we've experienced in a comic book property before, but especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that all wraps up in the finale. But the, again, the writers have been putting themselves in the audience's shoes, and I think they realize what audience's expectations will be. And Marvel, again, has done that for so many years. Years, I think it, it's just gone up a step so far. And also with TV, and, you, and again, as much as I've been praising the weekly schedule format, this is the kind of thing you're going to get with the weekly schedule format in terms of a mystery. Because I'm going to ask this question a few weeks from now after the finale of WandaVision is done and we've, we've had some time to marinate on it. But I, I'm going to start asking, was the buzz and fervor throughout the seasons of The Mandalorian bigger than what we've had so far with WandaVision? And I know it, it's a two-season comparison to a, a one-season, but I think the fact that with something like The Mandalorian, with what Favreau and Filoni were able to do is they were able to create buzz throughout the weeks and ask questions and, and have people anticipating another episode, but a lot of the episodes were self-contained adventures. And while WandaVision have, has somewhat self-contained adventures in terms of what we've gotten with the sitcom aspect where each era is different and each era is telling its own little story encompassed in this larger narrative, I think overall this, there's, there's this bigger mystery that is happening with WandaVision that wasn't happening in Mandalorian. People were asking, well, who's Grogu or who's Baby Yoda at the time? Is Luke going to show up? Which Jedi is going to show up? How's this all going to end? But there weren't a lot of mystery aspects to it. There's a lot of mystery aspects to the story of WandaVision that is still yet to be answered with, with the finale. So I think... WandaVision has had a bigger impact when it comes to the cultural phenomenon of the show so far. And, and I think that WandaVision has conjured a bigger fan base than I think Mandalorian did in just two seasons. So uh, again, and, and for Marvel and for, and for Kevin Feige, this is their first show. And again, I trust them. And I've said this before in terms of, of sticking the landing, they did it with Avengers Endgame, which was basically like a series finale in the episodic television format that they did with the Infinity Saga. So I trust them to do in an actual television show of landing on their two feet and that this finale is basically the Infinity War slash Endgame version of just this one television so show so far. So I trust them in being able to work on this and be able to land and stick the landing on this finale uh, of WandaVision. I think, again, there will be backlash, but I think a lot of fans hopefully will be satisfied with this. And I think for Marvel, this is just, again, the beginning of a lot of speculation they're going to have on their shows because people love these shows and, and they want to be a part of the conversation. So we'll see where this lands with the fans. And again, less than 24 hours, we're finally going to see the reactions. We'll see how this show ends, how it sets up Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness and other projects in the MCU moving forward, while also wrapping up the storyline that began on January 15th with the first two episodes of this show. So what, what are you guys anticipating coming from this show? I put out a poll a little while ago about WandaVision, and I want to know what your expectations are. Are you excited? Are you not excited? Do you even not know exactly what I'm talking about with WandaVision? I want you to answer that in the poll question that I put out on my Twitter account. Let me know what you think and spread the word about the poll. I want to know. I want to get 
a lot of votes on it and see what a lot of people think about it. So definitely let me know what everyone thinks about these, th- this finale of WandaVision and what you're looking forward in the finale of this Marvel epic that we've been getting for the first quarters of 2021. Now I want to move on away from the DCU and talk about, or excuse me, not the DCU, I want to move away from the MCU and talk about the DCU and of course the big project that is set to come out in just a matter of weeks that is revving up its marketing campaign to a peak pitch right now and that is Zack Snyder's Justice League and last night we got the official chapter titles for Zack Snyder's Justice League and again there was a lot of speculation at one point of is this cut going to be a miniseries is it going to be a four-hour movie and we finally got confirmation from Zack a few weeks ago that this is going to be a four-hour movie but according to his wife Deborah Snyder who is involved with a lot of his projects that a lot of these that these chapters these episodes will be put into chapters and that if you wanted to do chapter selection if you wanted to place kind of like a bookmark that is what these chapters are going to do and they're not just broken up into into four different chapters they're broken up into six chapters and they all finally have titles to the numbers and at the IGN virtual fan fest on Saturday Zach did announce the first two names of the first two titles and the first one was don't count on a Batman and the age of heroes and now we have the announcement for the other four that will be put in the chapter selection on HBO Max. And this is what they are titled. Chapter three will be titled Beloved Mother, Beloved Son. Chapter four will be titled Change Machine. Chapter six or chapter five, excuse me, will be All the King's Horses. And number six will be something darker. So now the fan speculation to, can begin on what these different chapters mean and the details that come with the names. And again, even when it comes to superhero title names like Spider-Man No Way Home or these chapter titles, I don't put a lot of emphasis of, of that these are going to change my opinion. But again, they are a great fan speculation of what can be involved in them. So for something like The Age of Heroes, that to me sounds like it could be the the very in-depth backstory of of why they need the, the the these mother boxes and we could get more background on dark side on steppenwolf and that could be the sequence that we get with age of heroes don't count on a batman could maybe be batman meeting up with aquaman and starting to recruit the rest of the justice league heroes something like change machine or beloved mother beloved son could be getting cyborg's background story so there's a lot of meanings behind these chapters that people can dig into leading up to the launch of Zack Snyder's Justice League on March 18th and then this morning to kind of coincide with these chapter titles we did get a little mini trailer specifically focused on Ben Affleck's Batman and we didn't get a whole bunch of shots new footage but we did get a lot of voiceover from people that are going to be a part of Zack Snyder's Justice League and we got a a ton of them with all new dialogue. We got voiceover from Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. We got a little bit of a laughter from Jared Leto's Joker. Martian Manhunter got a few words in on this, kind of talking about, I'm a protector of Earth. It's time for me to come out and save this world with you guys. And we also got some
some voiceover from Alfred and Wonder Woman and Cyborg as well, kind of saying, I thought you were a myth, didn't think you were real. And that kind of takes from the Comic-Con trailer initially that came out in 2016 when Cyborg was saying that to Batman and Batman says, I'm real when it's when, when it's useful. So I, I think we're going to see that all play out. And then we get some uh, a shot or two. We get the, the Bat Tank that, that Batman is standing on. And then we get a new sequence, a, a longer sequence of that Justice League pose shot that we've seen in these trailers so far. And it's the fact that prior to that pose, we see Batman's hanging off the side of this reactor and Superman pulls him up in his black Superman suit. And we get the entire Justice League together and a little bit of voiceover from Ben Affleck saying, I've been trying to divide this team. Now I need to bring them together and unite them. And I think it it showcases the progression that Zack has been talking about with Batman and the fact that in Batman v Superman, he was very a loner, somebody who was dark and, and, and deep and angry and wanted to kill Superman. And it seems like after the events of Superman dying in BVS, Batman wants to redeem himself. He needs to redeem himself. And part of that redemption is building up this squad of supernatural beings coming together to fight an unknown entity that is coming to Earth. And it seems like that is going to be the path that Batman takes in this. And I think that is a refreshing path. And as for somebody who, even in the in the, the theatrical cut of, Just, of Justice League, I like some of the things that they, they did with that Batman, but it, very, it did feel very out of character for what we got in BVS. So I think this is just going to be a natural progression of that character. I'm very excited to see the deep emotional impact that Ben Affleck continues to bring to this character because I am a huge Ben Affleck fan of his work as Bruce Wayne Batman. Even though I'm excited that I just tweeted it out because today will be one year until the Batman premieres with with Robert Pattinson's Batman directed by Matt Reeves. And that is very much going to be my most anticipated film of 2022. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Matt Reeves does with the Batman lore. However, I, I am somebody who has been a big protector and a big fan of Ben Affleck's Batman and have always been advocating and hopefully one day, one day maybe, even though I don't think it's going to happen, that we get a standalone Batman film that Ben Affleck wanted to do and explore more of this Batman that we honestly never really got before. We never got a older, grizzled, gritty, experienced Batman and we've always gotten a kind of a younger one. We got an older one, per se, with The Dark Knight Rises. But again, that was Christopher Nolan's take on the character. A lot more down, gritty, and realistic. Whereas this Batman, again, has a lot of history, a lot of lore with Robin and Joker and his cast, of, his gallery of, of villains that we don't really know a lot about. And we haven't gotten that kind of Dark Knight Returns Batman yet until Zack Snyder wanted to adapt that to the big screen. So I'm hoping that, again, we see that progression happen with this character and it delivers maybe some kind of satisfaction with Ben Affleck's Batman even though I I know after Zack Snyder said that this film leaves on a cliffhanger because he did have two more films he intended to do to finish out and build out his five film arc that he started with 2013's Man of Steel but to see more of a, of a character journey for this Batman, I'm really excited to see. And I think this little trailer, this little clip gave you a little glimpse of the journey that this Batman is going to take after the events of BVS. So I'm really excited. I loved this, this little bit that we got. I love the, the poster of just like a, a singular poster art for Ben Affleck's Batman. I love the chapter titles and the speculation that can come with it of what details we can get in those certain chapters before 
before we finally see what they will all be on March 18th. But again, this is this is the final stretch now. We're getting into the full-on revving marketing campaign for this Justice League film, and we'll see what the response is. I'm very curious about it. I know a lot of other people are curious. I'm going to have a lot more Zack Snyder Justice League content coming to you guys in the next week or so. I got a really cool interview lined up that I'll be promoting in the next few days, but there's a lot of stuff to look forward to, and I'll be covering with you guys, talking about it for the next few weeks to come. So what do you guys think about the chapter titles for this Zack Snyder Justice League? What do you think about the Batman trailer that came out earlier this morning? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. And the final bit of movie news that I want to talk about today are the exclusive first look photos that we got from Entertainment Weekly in regards to the sequel to the iconic Space Jam film in the 90s with Michael Jordan, and that is the sequel to that film in Space Jam, A New Legacy, which stars LeBron James from the Los Angeles Lakers, taking over the role that was once occupied by MJ, and starring in a brand new adventure that features Bugs Bunny, Tweety, and the Looney Squad. And we, we've gotten a little, a few clips here and there when HBO Max has been advertising their theater streamer hybrid that they're doing this year, but we never really got any kind of concrete photos or behind the scenes material or details in regards to this film. And tomorrow I'm going to talk more about the details when it comes to the story, but today I wanted to focus on the pictures because one of the big things about these these photos is I always wondered how is how is the the hybrid going to match up again with live action animation because even with something like Tom and Jerry the animation is very vibrant it's colorful you can clearly tell it's animated within the hybrid of a live action and I was I'm, I'm always wondering how is the animation going to stand out this time around with with, with these characters and seeing Bugs Bunny and, and, and Tasmanian Daffy Duck again. And I got to say, by seeing these pictures, I, I'm impressed by what I see with the animation. When you see, there's this one shot of Bugs Bunny that looks so real. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like animation, even though it clearly is animation. So there's, I'm definitely looking forward to th- this movie. I love the, the hybrid that I'm seeing so far. We get some cool photos of Don Cheeto with LeBron James. And I said it tweeting about these pictures, but seeing LeBron James in a film, I loved what he did in Trainwreck. He was a highlight in that film. But to actually see him in a movie again, especially in a leading role in a movie like this, is going to be interesting to see. Because, again, even with something like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan wasn't really an actor, but he did a really good job, I think, playing alongside a lot of people wearing green screen masks and costumes and having to act like he was in this world. And I, and I think with the, the technology that has been advanced since the 90s with this film, with this franchise, I'm excited to see what they're able to do. And they have, they have an incredible cast and an incredible crew around them. Ryan Coogler is a producer behind this. They really have some firepower to making this film. And it's not just going to be a run-of-the-mill sequel. I think they're hoping to deliver something special. And seeing these photos and seeing Don Cheadle and, and, and Sequash Alexander from The Walking Dead and seeing all these characters and actors in this is going to be something really, really, really special. And all I'm looking forward to now is a trailer to see how this all kind of interacts with one another how the animation flows with the live action it seems like it's more of a live action animation hybrid than the last one 
because it, it was a mixture of half and half, but really by the second half of the film, it was really all animation with Michael Jordan being the only live action thing entity around a lot of the Looney Tunes world. So I think maybe this could be more of a mixture where we get live action in the animation world and animation in the live action world. I'm very interested to see how that all plays out and how they're able to utilize that. But again, it just seeing the pictures and just seeing how animation and, and computer generated graphic imagery has just been able to advance itself over the years and decades has just been absolutely remarkable and it seems like Warner Brothers is taking the next leg up with this film and I think the big question becomes will this be a big hit this is coming out in July so again if theaters are 50% open by that current moment in time and a lot of people are vaccinated there's a lot of positivity over the last few days that that maybe just maybe we could have some formulation of a summer movie season and the last few days have given a lot more light to that than even just a month ago so I think that this could be one of the first big hits of the year and, and one of the first big hits in a long long time and I think Tom and Jerry has shown with their box office receipts that maybe families are looking for more for more films and content to look forward to now and that maybe by the summertime if we have uh, a, a lot of people vaccinated and ready to go that maybe HBO Max and this theater format, it'll be interesting to see how it works in the summer setting with a big franchise family film like this that has a lot of A-listers. You have the biggest athlete in the world, in my opinion, in LeBron James, one of the most recognizable names in the sports world and just in pop culture in general, headlining this. You got the Looney Tunes coming back. So there's a lot of, of I think, hype, a lot of anticipation of what success this film can bring to the table. Table and, and we'll see what happens. So th this is definitely a good start, and I like what I'm seeing just from the pictures, but now I want to see trailer and how it all is going to come together. So what do you guys think about the pictures coming from Entertainment Weekly in their exclusive first look at the sequel to Space Jam, Space Jam, A New Legacy? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts below. And the final thing that I want to talk about on this edition of the Sam Bissell podcast is, of course, the weekend preview. And again, we're starting to get into weeks now where there's a lot of highly anticipated property and material that I think you can focus yourself on to look forward to on the weekend and watch. There's If you're into some big blockbusters, anticipated titles, there's some stuff to look forward to in the next few weeks. And it all starts tomorrow with the, the first film that I want to talk about is the anticipated next edition in the Disney animated studio slate. And that is Raya and the Last Dragon starring Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina. And this is a film that I am very much looking forward to ever really since the first trailer, the teaser trailer came out a few months ago. I've been very much looking forward to this film. It seems like an epic Disney animated adventure with an incredible creative princess. And I've been hearing from a lot of people that it's very akin to Aladdin, specifically with the Aquafina character that changing from a spiritual being to a human being and and being able to have quick quick quirky jokes which Aquafina is able to do and, and has in her arsenal but also delivering a heartfelt 
performance in her character. So I'm very much looking forward to this and the fact that we get more of a cultural diversity in Southeast Asian uh, Asian people in the fact that we, we get we get a lot more of the the culture surrounding them from like from places such as Vietnam and and, and Lagos and and all these great and Thailand and, and Thailand excuse me and all these great places and seeing it all come together in this mystical sense is exciting and I think a lot of critics agree with that as it does have a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and the the consensus is that it's a another gorgeously animated skillfully voiced entry in the Disney canon. Raya and the Last Dragon continues the studio's increased representation while reaffirming that it, its classic formula is just as reliable as ever. So it seems like, again, that Disney hit it out of the park, that they hit another home run in their arsenal. And from people that I've heard, because this is going to be a hybrid release of going to theaters, but also being on Disney Plus with the premiere access for $30, like they did in September with Mulan, that is it worth paying the $30? And I haven't seen the film yet, so I don't really know. But I've heard for some people that, yes, it is worth paying the $30, unlike it was with maybe Mulan, or some people say that it's good, but not worth the $30, and maybe to wait a few months before watching it on Disney Plus, which seems more than likely that once the once it hits theaters for a little bit and it stays on Premier Access for a month or two, kind of like Mulan, they will put it out for people to see for not free, but you don't have to pay the additional fee than you're already paying for $6.99, seven bucks a month for Disney Plus. You only have to pay that with the subscription service and you can watch Ryan the Last Dragon with anything else included in the next few months if Disney follows the same plan that they did with Mulan. So again, I will give you my critical view on it this weekend when I watch it and I will say to you if it's worth the $30 or not if you haven't seen it just yet. But again, I am looking forward to Ryan the Last Dragon and just from the 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 marketing material, the trailers, the posters, and the critical reviews that I've heard, I would definitely recommend it for buying the $30 for, and I will definitely be paying the $30 to watch this film and see what it's all about. And it, 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 if you were to ask me of my hesitancy, and especially I was a little hesitant with Mulan about doing that, but with Ryan the Last Dragon, I'm definitely more comfortable of paying that $30, so I definitely think I'll be getting the, the uh, uh, more worth my my buck than I did with Mulan. I think there's a lot more invested in this. I think a lot more people are critically receptive to it. And I think a lot of audience members will be receptive to it as well. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's definitely my most anticipated title of this weekend. And so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they're able to do with this film. The one that I'm least looking forward to, but it still piqued my interest, and it's because of the the star power, of course, in front of the camera, but also behind it, and that is Chaos Walking. Now, this is a film that's coming out in theaters, so you, if you need to make sure that your theaters are open and also that you feel safe and comfortable about going to the theaters and seeing this one, but this is a film... That was directed by Doug Lyman, who's done Edge of Tomorrow. He did the first Bourne film with Matt Damon. And he is with a cast that it stars both Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland. And this is a film that was shot back in 2016, 2017, when Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland, especially Daisy Ridley, were at in the crux of their emerging star power into major Disney franchises. Tom Holland playing Spider-Man in the, in the MCU. And 
and Daisy Ridley playing Rey in the Star Wars sequel trilogy for Lucasfilm. So for for both of these for for just the i think price of mission alone you get two incredible young actors in really ascending to their prime and daisy really and tom holland and you also get i think a prestigious quality director in doug lyman so on the forefront this definitely should be something to look forward to and the premise sounds interesting it's based off of a young adult novel that came out a few years ago i believe where that they that men live on this planet and I think the women are exterminated or were ex- became extinct and this woman who's played by Dizzy really comes down and she's able to hear all the thoughts of the men. So it sounds like an interesting premise, but there were a lot of, there was, I wouldn't say a lot of drama, but there was a lot of, of reshoots that were happening and that's uh, reshoots are normal for big blockbusters but this thing was apparently being reshot and and they tested it and and the test scores didn't 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 rate well so they went back and reshot some things so this is a film that's been in the works for a a while and it's been pushing back its date for a long time until this weekend when it finally hits the screen so i really thought this would be an absolute train wreck and the rotten tomatoes score doesn't Indicated, but from what I what I've heard for some people, especially given the stories and the behind the scenes that have happened with this film, I think some people were anticipating a train wreck of epic proportions with this film. And even though the the Rotten Tomato score indicates that in, in some way, it sounds like from a lot of the critics that I trust and and I place my my trust in in the films that they review that it's not great. It's it's not a it's not a great movie. It's not even it's it's a serviceable film it's not even a good movie for some people but it's serviceable it does what it needs to do and the story might not be the best but the acting is good the direction seems like it's on hand when you have again a quality director like Doug Lyman behind it that's what I would expect and so for me Again, it sounds like exactly what I thought it was going to be, but it doesn't sound like the absolute atrocious train wreck that some people, I think, were thinking this film to be. So, again, this is my least anticipated film, but one that I'm definitely still intrigued by. But I would I would wait for VOD to, to watch this. Again, I wouldn't recommend anybody going out to theaters. Again, if you do want to go out to theaters, power to you. But again, make sure you're doing it safe. Make sure you're consulting with people. If you live with family members, make sure you consult with them and make sure that they are comfortable with it if you're going out to theaters make sure that if you do go to theaters you mask up you do all the guidelines that certain theaters are requiring for you to do in terms of social distancing masking sanitizing your hands all that good stuff that is being put out there right now but again chaos walking is definitely something that i would that i'm interested in seeing even though it's my least anticipated thing for the weekend my film for the weekend but one that i would definitely wait until vod to definitely check out and this one the last one that i'm going to talk about is one that's that's the, the middle the middle child that i am very much looking forward to but not overtly excited about but i'm definitely interested in checking out and it's probably the most accessible one especially if you have amazon prime and that is coming to america 2 
which is the highly anticipated sequel to the comedy classic from 1988 coming to America starring Eddie Murphy and Aresno Hall. And they are back once again alongside James Earl Jones, alongside an incredibly stacked cast of, of incredible African-American talent, star- including Wesley Snipes, Tracy Morgan, Leslie Jones, and newcomer Kiki Lane, who is just ascending to incredible heights in the last few years. I'm so excited for her after the old guard and coming to a film like this and coming to America too. I'm very excited for her. It's directed by Craig Brewster, who also directed the 2019 hit of the fall in Dolomite Is My Name. So Eddie Murphy is teaming back up with the director that he's comfortable with. And from what I've heard, this is a fun, nostalgic trip back to what you loved with Coming to America too. And I think for a sequel like this to a comedy classic and with any comedy sequels, especially ones that are years and years later from their original, you don't want to do the same jokes over and over again, but it seems like there's some uh, good new stuff enough here that it's nostalgic, but a, a, a really good idea. Eddie Murphy delivers it. It seems like Reznor Hall is the standout once again as well, and that Wesley Snipes apparently knows how to do comedy, and he sticks out really well as a good comedic force as the villain of this movie. So I'm very much looking forward to coming to America too and checking it out. I love the, the original film, and the fact that this film actually got made and it's finally coming out tomorrow, I think is an accomplishment in and of itself. I, I know for such a long time that this film was was always in development, not necessarily development hell, but a lot of people were always asking about it, talking to Eddie Murphy about it, if he would ever really kind of come out of his own retirement in a way and, and do a film like this. And now that he's kind of having this resurgence once again, after Dolomite is my name, after going back to SNL, it seems like he's going to be doing comedic specials once again down the line. So the fact that he came back and wanted to do this film again speaks to the fact of how beloved this is. And he listens to the fans and the fans want this. So this could be another big hit for Amazon that they have on their hands. So kind of like what they did with Borat 2 and getting the the, the 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 rights, the licensing rights and agreements to that movie and that being a big cultural hit for them. I think that the same thing could be said for this film as well and it could really do big business for Amazon Prime. So that is my order for this weekend when it comes to big movies. And again, this is one of the biggest weekends we've had in a, a while and it's only gonna get better from here with the next few weeks to come. But again, I would go number one being Ryan the Last Dragon, number two being Coming to America 2, and the third one again is Chaos Walking. Again, I would wait for VOD for that one, but if you feel comfortable going to a theater, then definitely go to a theater if you would like to, but if you want to wait till it comes on video on demand, that's where I suggest that you wait for it to come out on. But with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the San Basel Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind. 
a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B U S E L S A M U E L. Again, that's B U S E L S A M U E L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. And you can also find me on YouTube at the Sam Bissell Podcast. So everyone, thank you again so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow for the finale of WandaVision. Hopefully everyone's getting ready for that. And until then, keep on screening.